we thank you, Lord, for the garment of joy that will be worn that person. Lord, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Amen. Uh, please, um, can we do something quickly? I just, um, I'll probably teach about this on Tuesday, but I want to practice a bit of it today before we take our declaration that we take our seats. All right, quickly, can we open our Bibles to the book of Psalms? The book of Psalms, we are going to read from Psalm 95. Uh, um, we did this in our house this morning, and I told the kids when we get here, uh, we'll do this in the Bible study. It's so beautiful. All right, are you there? All right, everybody, let's read Psalm 95 together. We are going to read from verse 1, and we'll stop um, um, halfway through verse 7, and then we'll go to verse uh, chapter 96 and read the whole of 96. Uh, did you get that? All right, so 1, 2, let's go. Sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Three, for the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods, in whose hands are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for it was he who made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Now, quickly go to Psalm 96 and read the whole of the psalm. One, two, let's go. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations. His wonderful deeds among the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Verse 5. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heaven. 6. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are his sanctuary. 7. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Tremble before him all the earth. Ten, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Indeed, the Lord is firmly established. It will not be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Read verse 10 again. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Verse 11. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. For the sea roar and all it contains. Let the field exult and all that is in it. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. Verse 13. Before the Lord, for he is coming. For he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Read verse 13 again. Lord, for his coming, for his coming to judge the earth, he will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. This is very important. The Lord is coming. Somebody say amen. amen. Say it again. The Lord is coming. He will judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Amen. The Lord is good. Quickly, let's take our declaration before we take our seats and start our teaching for today. One, two, let's go. Now I declare 
that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 You'll be blessed today in Jesus' name. The power of healing is coming in a mighty measure today in the name of Jesus. And no matter where you are joining us from, just concentrate, pay attention, and the power of God will enter into your home. It will solve the problem between you and your wife. It will solve the problem between a parent and a child. It will restore the sanity of some children that are going haywire. Peace upon that family in the name of Jesus. I command peace upon your family in the name of Jesus. I command the peace of God that passes all understanding upon that family in the name of Jesus. You will wake up tomorrow and the family is at peace. You didn't have any discussion. Not as if you began to. It is afterwards you will now reconcile. The peace will first come to show you that it's a working of God, not your own intelligence. In the name of Jesus Christ. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Let's take our seats and get into our teaching today. First of all, let me apologize on behalf of Enugu State Governor for holding his birthday party in our backyard. Somebody forgot to tell him that um, he has actually gone. Just that drink is a terrible thing. When people have drunk, when they have used too many bottles of beer, they won't go home. They will stay there till it is night. Hmm? So is he, is he, is he, is he, we celebrate with the governor. We thank God for his life. He's, a, he's, a, he's an agent of God. He's a messenger of God sent to bless us in this city. And he has been blessing us. And we thank God for today's his birthday. And may he live, know the Lord Jesus Christ better than ever before. You know, people laugh at it. You know, I saw one post on Twitter. They said, look, we voted for you. We didn't vote for God. Enugu is in your hand. It's not in the hands of God. You know, a fool says in his heart, there is no God in Enugu. They don't realize that. That thing you see all over Enugu is a prophetic word. You can be laughing at it. We are still on record the most peaceful state in Nigeria. It's not because we are in the south. Are we the only ones in the south? Is Port Harcourt not souther than us? Is River State not south, more southern than us? They are called south south. We are just south, southeast. They are south south. Australia, down below. <laughs> you understand what I mean by Australia there? They are very south. Hmm? It's on those days, not in the south. Headsmen, kidnapping, and robbery is a, such a problem there. My mother doesn't want me to come. Ah, now, I pray I would pray for them. Your, your, what's the name of that guy that's saying, eh? Sunday, is it not in the south? Why are we the most peaceful state in Nigeria? I'll tell you. Somebody tell me why. Say it again. Say it one more time. That's the answer. The answer is all over our posters. Enugu is in the hands of God. Some people will be laughing at it. They don't know when prophecy is happening. Let me just tell you just by the way, all right? There is no nation on the earth that prospers because the people are intelligent. Prosperity is a gift of God. Nobody prospers because the people are intelligent. Intelligence can be used to receive the prosperity that God has given. If God declares famine upon the land, he said they will gather I will do what? 
I will scatter. Listen to me. It's a blessing of God. So I don't take it lightly at all. Anytime I see the, the billboards we have in town, Enugu is in the hands of God. I say amen. I say amen. It's in the Bible like that. Nebuchadnezzar thought that Babylon prospered because of him. God had to show him that it's not so. He said, this kingdom is mine. I give it to whomsoever I wish. I hope you're getting my point. Don't, never forget it. Never forget that. Anytime you are praying, bear that in mind. All right? So that's why when we're praying for a country like ours, we remember those things. That he's a governor amongst the nations. He rules. He said, if I give peace, who can cause trouble? So if you find trouble, ask the Lord, why have you not given peace? If he grants peace, nobody can cause trouble. That's the word of God. So when you see disturbance, there's no peace to him that goes out or him that comes in. Ask yourself, why has the Lord not granted peace? What is the hindrance between us and the peace that he grants? It is idolatry for you to turn and say the government is doing nothing. What can they do? They are confounded. I hope you're getting my point. It is, look, <laughs> it's not in the power of any government. It is not in the power of any government. It is the hand of God. So when we declare it, our state is in the hands of God, don't laugh. Say amen. It's important. I'm not saying to say amen. I say when you see it outside. <laughs> you know in other states, what they write? What is this in Anambra? Willie is walking. Idolatry. It's pure idolatry. Insanity. We are the ones that know what the right thing. The man says, no, I'm not the one that's walking. God is the one that's blessing. If you go, the way you see Enugu is the hands of God, when you go to Anambra, now one man is walking. God says, listen, is it because of political progress? If I stop you, you can't go anywhere. May God not put pause on your political advancement. God just say, oh yeah, you don't do. You will struggle. The day you win the election, they will annul it. You will go to a court. You, you'll be so sure you are winning. They, you'll be so surprised. One last moment, they will review one law. Boom. They are annulling everything plus your children's own. If they even win in primary school, class captain election, God will say they will never lead. <laughs> ah, Listen, <laughs> you don't want to see the opposition of God. People don't understand what they call the opposition of God. I was just thinking about it today. There was one particular politician in Nigeria. When God decided to oppose him, when, you know how it began? The church gathered and decreed against him. Last week, was it two weeks ago, Supreme Court upheld the judgment that sent him to prison. I said, my father in heaven. This is what they call the opposition of God. I heard about it almost, I think up to ten years ago. It was not natural. It was his church. It was his church that said, eh, because they made you chief executive, you are feeling too big. All right, you will see. The elders gathered, joined their hands, and fired spiritual missiles against him for disobedience. Last week when I read this case, I said, ah, God, you have not forgiven this man till now. <laughs> I said this judgment is long ago. Because I thought the Lord has even forgotten his case. It was last week. Was it last week? Yes. Just in the last few days, I read the Supreme Court judgment. Upholding his sentence to prison. You know what that means? You are going to prison. I know what that means. No more politics for you. Uh, if the president does not pardon you, no more politics. You cannot even become local government counselor. You can't be the board, the chairman of a, a board of a PLC. That's what they call the opposition of God. May you not see it. When you wake up in the morning, say, Lord, if I vex you, just flog me for this side of this house. 
Don't oppose me. The opposition of God is terrible. It is very terrible. Why did I say that? The man that says he's walking. That's what I remember. Why do we have peace around here? Somebody tell me. Anyway, so one more time. We say happy birthday to our governor. And don't, don't worry. He has sent our drink. It will soon arrive. <laughs> Anybody who laughs will not drink from it. No, apostles' laughter cannot be controlled. <laughs> if your wife burns in 30 minutes, how will you be able to control laughter? If I born yesterday evening, he was here pitching the word. His wife was in labor. <laughs> That's why he's laughing, even after I threatened the laughters. <laughs> so our drink is on the way. And I'm not joking. So if you want to drink, just hang around. Amen? I called one of his left. That's like people will be doing party behind us. Nothing will come up. Does it make sense? Is that the will of God? Even dogs eat crumbs. And we're not even dogs. We are prayer warriors supporting the government. They are not doing party behind us. I, will, and I call one of the lieutenants. I said, oh boy, you people are not serious. Before we block this road, send our portion. He said, oh God, it is coming. So before they close, you can go bring our portion. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe it, give me an amen. amen. All right, let's open our Bibles quickly. I want us to start, first of all, from the book of Philemon. I want to just read a particular verse there. They will now go back to the book of Ephesians, uh, verse, uh, chapter 1, that we have been reading. Uh, last time, of course, for some time, we have been speaking about this faith matter. And like I've been trying to emphasize, the fact that you are thinking faith, faith is not what faith is. It is a confidence that derives from the knowledge of the spiritual. There's really faith. Two people in the scriptures, in the gospels, were spoken of by the Lord Jesus himself, our Lord and Master, as having great faith. Concerning the centurion, he said, I have not seen faith like this in Israel. Concerning the Syrophoenician woman, he said, great is thy faith. It's, I mean, in both cases, they give an explanation, a spiritual understanding which God granted them. And when Jesus heard the spiritual understanding, he was impressed. He said, this is great faith. And what great faith does is to collect great results out of the spiritual. I hope you get my point here. Great faith brings great results. They, that man, his servant was at home and he was grievously sick. But great faith made him well without Jesus coming to touch him. The woman, the child was at home also. Great faith brought those things into their lives. Anytime somebody has faith, he taps something from the Lord Jesus Christ. The woman with the issue of blood, she touched the hem of his garment. Now, you know something I said that time, which I just repeated a few moments ago, that it's not that you are saying, I have faith, I have faith. The woman just understood and said, if I may but what? Touch the edge of his clothing, the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. So you see, once faith is activated in the heart, result is activated in the environment. I hope you're getting my point. Once faith is thus activated, the power of God is released into our lives. But I'm trying to emphasize to us again, it's not that you are saying, by faith, by faith, I'm doing this, that makes it faith. It is that you have connected with spiritual understanding. It's that you have become acquainted with spiritual truth, and you are walking by it. That's what faith is. And what we are doing in this series is just to expose, to expound some spiritual truths so that Christians should be conversant with them. And that's what we have been trying to do. And last time I began to talk about spiritual hierarchy. 
Maybe I should modify that topic slightly. Just to bring out, well, I won't give you any topic now. But what I want to do is to bring out what God actually has made the believer to be. That's what I want to talk about for the next uh, few, um, not, maybe not today fully, but the next few hours. We'll take some of it today. We'll continue next time. I want to talk about two main things, actually. Who the Lord is and what he has made the believer to be in Christ Jesus. And we're starting with this second one. What he has made the believer to be in Christ Jesus. It's very important. Look at what Paul wrote to Philemon when he was writing to him. Um, you are in chapter, of course, that's only one chapter. Let me start reading from verse 4. He said, I thank my God always, making mention of you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Bear that in mind. There's a seed of faith that God has kept in the heart of this model believer. In our said in verse 6, I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become more effective. How? Through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. Please notice that. That is, God has planted some things in you. You have to be aware, acquainted with the things that God has planted in you for it to become more effective. If I may just read another translation. He said, I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand, that's the first word, and experience all the good things we have in Christ. It is that understanding, that knowledge of what we have as believers in Christ Jesus that brings forth effective manifestation of faith. I like the way my uh, uh, New American Standard puts it. He said, I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective, more effective. Notice that. He already said, I've noticed your faith. I hope you're getting my point. I've seen, I've heard the report, but I want it to be effective. How does that happen? Through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you. Now, bear that in mind, because that's one thing Christians don't understand. You know, I was meditating about it, preparing for today's message. What exactly are we talking about here? The truth is that Christians, generally speaking, they underestimate what God has done for them in Christ Jesus. They do. Generally, they do. Oh, God. The underestimation is gross. One of the things that Satan has done effectively is to damage our mindset into thinking that we are a reflection or the truth about our lives is a reflection of what we are physically. That is, you know, I remember one day, I see that picture flashed in my mind about two days ago. One day I was in a man's office and the man just said, ah, bank, have you collected your visa? And I, I said, yes, that... Um, that yes, it, 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 I, I, I can't remember the question. But the way I asked, I just said yes, that the visa is done and I will be traveling in about uh, two weeks. All right? The brother beside me, okay, two other person came to see him, and he just told me, like, wow, that United States visa. I remember, I remember just about two days ago. His eyes popped. If you see the, how do I say it now? The excitement. No, I want another word. The appreciation, the sudden. Give me another word. You might must give me eh? admiration. That's another one. I want something more. There was this ah, like oh, wow, wow! God has done something great, unique on this earth right now. Jesus is coming again, kind of appearance. And I remember how I looked at him like, "Are you okay?" In my mind, I, I, I didn't know him well enough to rebuke him. What is exciting you? What is exciting you? That you saw a man that got an American visa. What is the big deal? Of course, I went in five weeks or six weeks, less than six weeks, I was back. 
the next time I went, next time, you know, you know if, in fact, the last time I traveled, and I was telling you, my friend's wife was saying, yeah, I want strange Nigerian. I came with my, you know, hardly had any luggage. The luggage I came with, I give this to this person, give this to this person. When I was coming back, the box was empty. I had space for two boxes. I used only one. It was empty. I said, what is it? I, 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 you know, I ran out and ran back in because I said I have things to do back home. Now, what I'm, te- what I'm te- re- re- referring to that brother at that time was that the way he looked at me with admiration. I remember another time I went to go and renew my visa. In a, in a, you know, in this time around, I went to the Lagos, um, U.S. embassy in Lagos. So, of course, the usual thing is that um, they don't let you take your phone in and all of that. And I arranged for my brother to pick me at the end of the day. So I had his number written on a piece of paper so I could call him. They don't let you go with your phone and all of that. So, so when I came out, the natural thing that people are around, those guys are very smart. When you say, how much is the phone call? They say, anything. Because if they have to bill you, you can't bill you more than... Is it 20 naira a minute? 50, and the phone call will not be, they are used to it. You are just calling a taxi or you are calling a relative. You are just calling a car. And the person knows where you are. They just say anything you like. And no matter what, it's a hundred naira you will drop. Even if you're a stingy soul, you drop a hundred naira. If you're generous, it's a thousand. Now, Joe, the guy who I asked for his phone, he gave it to me. How much do I pay? He said, okay, anything you give us is fine. He now turned to me and said, congratulations. I said, for what? He said, they gave you now. I said, so? I don't know whether I get the point. He saw my demeanor. He knew that I wasn't sad. I wasn't depressed. I was just, no, just like, congrats. I said, congrats for what now? That Americans renewed my visa? What is the big deal? Why do you think it's a great thing? That's where I'm going. Why? Because you see, the typical black mindset is America is letting you come into their country, break through for you. And I've seen churches do it. It is your year of getting a visa. I think it's a very stupid thing to paint in front of children. When they say it's your year of getting to university, I think it is more honorable to tell somebody this year you're getting to university to say that you're getting an American visa. For what? Churches celebrate it. I saw it on the billboard recently. Breakthrough. Visa this year. I said, for goodness sake. People who are redeemed, blood-bought, who can prosper anywhere, they are celebrating because they are relocating from one country to another. Is that the assignment of God for your life? I mean, that, that man told me that, he said, congratulations. I just looked at him. I asked him, I said, for what? I felt like, what nonsense is this? I'm just, and of course, I needed it only because I think it was when my, I forgot what was taking me you know, on that particular trip. I said, what is it? What is it? Do you follow my point? Yes, my brother said, I should come and speak. Yes. That was the one. Okay, was that particular one that I traveled, came back after Less than, my, from leaving Enugu to coming back was exactly eight days. Plus getting to Lagos, returning to Lagos, sleeping over in Lagos. Eight days exactly. What is it? My business is here. This is my business. Are you getting my point? This is the assignment of God for my life. Now, you see why I'm talking about all of these things. Because what happens is Satan reduces us to judging ourselves only by flesh. Paul says something very powerful in that Second Corinthians chapter 5. And you should learn that thing very well. He said, henceforth we know no man after the flesh. It's so important. You must never know yourself after the flesh. You must never know yourself because, you know, I mean, judging yourself by what qualification you have, by what you have achieved in life. You must never, you must learn to assess your life by spiritual qualities that you have in Christ Jesus. People underestimate themselves so much. They underestimate themselves so much. That's why I say, listen, you see good Christian girls, good, holy, righteous believers in Christ Jesus. December, they'll marry a joker, jobless joker, because he came from America. And you look at the girl like, it's your, and this is a, that is a student at university studying. Sometimes the course he's studying is professional. Then you, I said, listen, I tell young ladies, any man you would not marry if he's in Nigeria, don't marry him if he comes from mass. 
Because nationality does not confer importance upon you. It does not confer prosperity. It does not confer spiritual substance. But you know what happens? People are judging themselves only according to the flesh. Listen, as a matter of fact, let me explain this. Okay, I always, this is one of my doctrines I love. One of the reasons why I love the doctrine of apostles is that and I, you know, Paul will say, I did not hear this one from any man. Yeah, this one I didn't hear from any man. If he, nobody taught me this one. When I talk about the curse of Ham, it was when we were studying the book of Genesis, the revelations of God. We're looking at Genesis. Ah, and I saw, because we look at it, and as a matter of fact, and you see, I'm not one person. Sometimes people, sometimes people misunderstand me, especially people who don't understand my background of the word of God and all of that. I make statements, and they look and say, eh, you are denying. If I had a small quarrel with one of my classmates the other day, she, she gave the impression that, um, yes, that's how we talk when we are talking faith. I said, who spoke? No, she said positive confession. I said, you are the one introducing positive confession here. Me, I'm giving you facts. Now, what I'm going to say is that sometimes people misunderstand what we are saying when we are speaking to them. As if we are saying that there is no problem. They say, eh, you want to deny what's going on. I say, who's denying what's going on around? I'm just saying there's more going on around than bandits. I hope you're getting my point. I'm saying there are other things going on around apart from kidnapping. I'm saying there are other things going around apart from power failure. I'm saying there are other things going on around apart from bad rules that is worrying you. And just by the way, I just want to digress again. You know me, I'm master digressor. What was, is it digressor or digressor? Okay, I have a mentor, Kennedy Hagen. I have a baba in that area. He digresses more than me. And he says that he knows people get sometimes more from the side gist than the core one. So I said, yes, sir, I shall follow in thy footsteps and fulfill my ministry too. Amen. <laughs> so, you see, I know there are many things going on around that are terrible. This is my digression. Once I was having a discussion with my classmates, and they were talking about the country, you know, they're talking about bad things, and they talk about senior climbs. Anytime they want to talk about, uh, this one happened in Nigeria, in senior climbs, things like this don't happen. What do they mean by senior climbs? Places where things work better. You know, government works in a particular way and all of that. Where they, what are they referring to? Most of um, Europe, mostly the western part, most of Europe, and of course North America. So they talk about senior climbs. And then that day I told them, I said there is nonsense everywhere. There is rubbish everywhere. We are just saying, which kind of rubbish do you want to live with? I said, the rubbish you guys are living with, I can't live with it. Now, this is what I'm talking about. I read one of that rubbishes today. Is that English good? Rubbishes. <laughs> and one of those pieces of rubbish, that's a more appropriate English. Let's speak good English, all right? One of those pieces of rubbish, I read one today, and it was embarrassing. And I said, I would never live in that area. Unless God specifically speaks to me, Banky, I'm sending default as a missionary, evangelist, apostolic anointing to go and check. Because anything less than that, I'm going home. I don't mean, I don't, if I perceive in my spirit, I'm going home. The Lord has to say it. When people tell you that they are going to sinner climbs, please wake up, Christians. A man was put in prison because he refused to call his daughter a boy. At the age of 13 in school, they counseled this girl and said, actually, you have gender dysphoria. You are supposed to be a boy. And they said you should start taking testosterone injections. And one man running commentary on it, he said at the age of 14 when he started it, he said he can't even consent for anything. The state will not even give you a driver's license. Yet a judge ruled after the doctor said they don't need it. The father said, I deny, I decline consent. I refuse to give consent for you to do a sex change for my daughter. So they took the mother to court. And the court said, yes, they were right. That the girl's consent is good enough. The, boy's, the girl's consent is good enough. So the man said, as far as I'm concerned, 
She's a girl. And they said, if you ever call her a, gay, a girl again, or refer to her as she and her, it is domestic violence. And the man said, I don't care. I have a daughter. She's too young to be treated like this. She can't ha- she, she's too young. Even in that country, I don't know about most countries in the world, she can't, like one commentator said, she can't consent to anything. Yet, in one thing, she can consent to sex change. Let me let you know, it is Satan. The man said, I will not agree. You know why I read the story? He has been sent to prison. What is the offense? They call it family violence. That's the word. Family violence. What is the violence? You call her she. And you refer to her as a daughter. And the man said, the girl is my daughter. He's not a boy. They said, okay, that can go to jail. And somebody will sell his father's land to go and live there. And tell me the problem in life is that the road in Enugu is bad. And that they are kidnapping. Your soul has been kidnapped. You don't know. Your soul is being kidnapped. You know, I keep on saying the major problem with people, they don't believe anything. They don't believe Jack. If they really believe the word of God, they will behave differently. That just by the way. So I know, I know where I went to that from. That physically speaking, we have a lot of problems in Africa. I talked about that because people keep on calling other countries sinner. Listen, let me tell you how this thing is. Hmm? So that you will understand. Africa has a problem. We're not denying it. But as problem, <laughs> we are like, we, spiritually speaking, we are in a higher place spiritually than most of these countries people are running to. We are low. I'm not saying we are not. But the other people, they have gone up the hill. They have reached the top of the hill. They are falling on the other side to a lower end. We are climbing. Assuming the top of the hill is level 10. Maybe we are on level 3.5. Those guys have reached level 10. They have dropped down to level 1.1. But the roads are still good. Don't forget, Sodom and Gomorrah was a good country the night that Lot left. By next morning, it wasn't anymore. Never forget that. Let's sit down with the African issue. That's my pet doctrine that I was telling you about. The truth is that the reason why black Africa and everywhere black people gather, they have been down, is spiritual. It is spiritual. It is spiritual. It's not, it's not by chance that they do not preside till now over one country that can be called developed. The only one I know somebody claimed they could call civilized because they dropped the word civilized, civil long ago, but it was Bahamas. And it's Miles Moreau that said that, and it's a small island. All right? But generally, they don't preside over in any country. South Africa has gone down since they took over. Yes. When they started having blackouts, all right? They started rationing by power. And one of my friends came back to them. He said, when he was there, they rationed power. They took For hours, they didn't have power. Do you know what? They actually warned Tabo Mbeki ahead. Years ahead, he was warned that this would happen. I don't know if you have been in Enugu for up to maybe... Okay, I've been in Enugu for about 20 years, all right? You will see that Enugu has expanded greatly. There are areas that used to be bush. Those are the ones who go to Nikki Lake. All right? It was a tour. You drove through, you know, no light. You now come out in that result. It's as if you traveled. Now, <laughs> go slow day in front of Nikki Lake Junction. Do you get my point? Let's not talk about the road going towards Port Harcourt. It was all bush until a few years ago. That normally what governments do is that they foresee these things happening. They, in most countries, they put the infrastructure there before you come and build your house. But I will have been that you'll have been living in the house for like ten years. Then some one governor will not remember that he won massively in that uh, area. They will tie the road for you. 
but they tend to look for further ahead. So it was one of those things they did in South Africa. I said, guys, <laughs> the way we are going, we need to increase our production. The man couldn't see it. But that's typical of when black people are doing things. And I can say, do you know why? I'm a black man. Nobody can say that I'm insulting somebody. We're all in this matter together. You understand what I'm saying? And that's how our matter be. However, this is where I'm going. No, before I say the however, why did it become like that? It's a spiritual reason. It started when the earth was being allotted and Noah was giving the instructions concerning what to do based upon what God saw that these men were going to be like. And he uttered a word against Ham and his descendants. And it was recorded by Moses, narrowing it onto Canaan. So if you take your Bible in Genesis, it says, Cursed be Canaan. Now what will it be? A servant of servants. Now when they say servant of servants, listen, you must understand. Usually when people are prosperous, the first level of servants serving them are okay. They only say servant of servants. These are the ones that now serve the other servants. They usually are poor people. That's why, listen, people can argue from, with me from now to tomorrow. I'm giving it to you as a matter of fact. It's a spiritual reason. And those things, that thing really exists. It's, it's true. It is not a joke. Alright? And that's why I don't want to spend too much time on the negative, okay? But when you have a curse moving in the air, it manifests in different ways. One of the ones I quoted earlier from Malachi was the one that God spoke against Edom. He said, they will gather, but I will do what? I will scatter. So sometimes when that curse is in the air, it starts affecting things. They will make roads, it will spoil. Are you getting my point? They will build a refinery to work for 10 years and they break down and they keep on pumping billions like Portaco refinery just got an approval of 1.5 billion renovation. I don't know why the federal government did that, <laughs> but they did, okay? And um, you just, after all the years, you don't know why it's just not working. It's just not working. It's a spiritual reason. They build universities, spend a lot of money, then you come out the same place after 15 years and you're surprised that, ah, oh, they say they lack a maintenance culture. What is wrong with them? Stories. We can trace the physical reasons, but how come it only affects the people? That one is a spiritual reason. Again, I don't want to sit on the negative. Let's move over to the main reason I told the story. Now, because of that background, many people are eager to run into the, like the Bible calls it, the tent of Shem. Everywhere they see a Shem-like blessing, they like to run inside there. Even Japheth is blessed by going over there. Sometimes Ham wants to tuck his head onto, into the tent of shame also, which is the reason why the whole world jumps onto ships to cross the Mediterranean or buy plane tickets to get to North America. Everybody is, is, is a principle, it's a spiritual principle called the tent of shame. Now, what am I excited about? I'll tell you. Because, you know, I started by saying that Christians underestimate what really they are, okay? Because God has an eternal plan. Sometimes, why God doesn't bother, because sometimes you look at these things like they're unfair, why God doesn't worry about them is that to him, they are very temporal. The plan he has, ultimately, is eternal. So even if though the descendants of Ham were to suffer for a while, it is for a while. But if they will step into Christ, their suffering cannot be compared with the eternal weight of glory that they will experience. I hope you're getting my point here. For every sufferer in life, God has ordained an eternal weight of glory. For every race that has been under, God has ordained an eternal weight of glory. Now, there's only one thing. It's only found in Christ. Let me drop another thing. I've seen people, one of my favorite teachers, the area where we disagree m- most, like I was saying last week, I, I, I mentioned people, it doesn't mean I agree with them all, 100%. But 
One of my favorite teachers, where I disagree with him most, is in the areas of Jews and God. He keeps on painting pictures. If you listen to his messages, if you don't have your own understanding, you will leave there thinking Jews are special to God. He said, Pastor Banker, are you saying they are not special? I will say it clearly. Yes, they are not. Specialness is, it belongs only to one person. Who is that? Christ. It belongs only to one person. So the Jew that's outside Christ, alright, is called fake circumcision. How can false circumcision be special to God? Paul said what? We are what? The true circumcision who worship in the spirit and have no confidence in the flesh. So what about the Jews? I'll tell you. I don't want to talk about that now. I'm not saying they are bad people. They are just like Africans too. Spiritually speaking now. Because right now, God has drawn only one thing. You are that in Christ or you are out of him. Now he said they have promises. One thing is clear. All God's promises, listen to me. I'm going to give you two um, tenses. All God's promises are fulfilled only in Christ. So if you want the fulfillment, you go into Christ. Number two, second tense I want to give you. All God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. You say, are you not contradicting yourself? No. What I'm trying to say is that as far as God is concerned, there is nothing he's promised he has not done. Did you hear what I said? There is nothing he promised he hasn't done. Nothing. Abraham, I will make you a father of many nations. The day Jesus was born, that's the end of it. It has been fulfilled. I will restore my people to their land. The day Jesus was born, that's restoration. Now, if you want a physical manifestation of that, you walk into Christ. This Christ is intense. That's the only word I can use for him right now. He's intense. He's, when you talk about the riches of Christ, people don't understand it. Anything God has ever promised anybody, open the door, look into Christ. The, the promise is inside there. So when Noah uttered the, the decree of God against the races on the earth and in favor of the races on the earth, when he blessed Shem, gave Japheth a, a form of blessing, and he turned to Ham and gave him his own, in quote, prophecy, I don't want to use the word blessing, which Moses turned around and explained to us that he said, curse be Canaan. And a servant of servants it will be. I've explained it here before. It could not, it is not possible, it's not in line with divine order for Noah to have said Canaan. You said Moses made a mistake. No, it's not a mistake. Because you see, it was Ham that sinned. Ham could not have sinned. You jump Ham and curse one of the children. There's a principle. It's a spiritual principle concerning descendants. The curse was for Ham and his descendants. You go and read it. The leprosy of Nama will not depart from, uh, what's his name? Gehazi and his descendants. Who are the descendants of Gehazi? Not the ones he gave birth to. It's those who do the works of Gehazi. Just like you didn't have to be physically born by Abraham. You only needed to be of faith like Abraham, to be a descendant of Abraham. Do you get the principle? So Ham was given a prophetic word. It lighted upon his whole household. But at that point in time, Moses was coming to take the land of Canaan. So Moses gave you the prophet, recorded for us the prophecy as it affected Canaan, whose land he was coming to take. But just look, it must have affected Cush, Put, and Mizraim also, all descendants of Ham. Like I said, for God it was temporary. One of those things is that it's supposed, you must understand something about difficulty in life. Listen to this, it's not just about Ham, about Japheth, or about um, uh, what they call uh, the descendants of Ham, or Africans. It's about life. 
every difficulty is supposed to send you in search of God. It is not supposed to turn you to a grumbler. Every difficulty is supposed to get you on your knees and say, where is God my maker? That is, if the descendants of Ham have understood that, if they had understood it, they would have become the most spiritual of people on the earth. They would have said things like, why have we called and he has not answered? Then they will go in and go and pray. And God will reveal himself to them. Let me tell you, Christians, never run around looking for where life is easy. Do you know why this morning I was reading it? James said, beloved, count it all joy. When you fall into diverse trials, I realize, therefore, it is forbidden for Christians, for Christians to look for where they will never have trials. Because the trial of their faith produces an eternal substance in their lives. They are missing the ability to download God's blessings onto the earth. I know what I'm saying. Please follow me very closely. So you see what the Lord did. He said, this is temporal. This is supposed to drag the descendants of Ham into prayer. To come seeking the face of the Lord. They will have been compensated with an eternal weight of glory. But you know what? In Christ Jesus, you know what God did? Anyone who comes seeking, I said at the beginning, we taught a series sometime, I think it was last year. That what God just wants for people to feel for him. If you feel for God, you know what he will do? He will lead you into Christ. There you will find the vastness of the riches of God that nobody else on this earth has ever witnessed. It's all in Christ. So, even though a descendant of Cush put Amizraim with the curse of Ham over the continent, God said, therein I have planted what he called the salt of the earth and the light of the world. What is their duty? They are supposed to download divine blessing. It's forbidden for them to run, looking for where somebody else has downloaded blessings. But it's because, like I was saying, that's where I began from, that we don't understand what the Lord did. We don't understand ah, <laughs> what he did for us in Christ Jesus. Why do we run up and down looking for how to get into the tent of shame? Because we still think we're under a curse. Every time you say, if I go somewhere else, I will prosper. You know that kind of mentality. You are admitting you are still under a curse. That the reason why I'm not prospering right now is that the earth is cursed for me. <laughs> do you get my point? Yeah, because that's what happened. Curse is the earth because of you. You don't realize that the earth has been blessed now that you are stepping on it. Therefore, as a believer in Christ Jesus, with faith and patience, patiently possessing your soul, a time will come you speak to the rock, bring forth water, and it must respond. That even though you are planting the wilderness, you say this wilderness, you're not serious. I'm blessed. I have been blessed. I cannot be cursed. Any earth I step on, even though it was cursed, it must yield for me. I have brought a blessing upon it. Do you know why? Because I'm in Christ Jesus. You know, I thought about it once. How could Christ Jesus be stranded? How on God's earth? There's, it wasn't possible. You must understand. You know, the Bible says all things were recorded for our learning. Anything you see done before is what God does now. I don't know whether you get my point. You know, I, just check my tenses. Anything you see done in previous times is what God does now. So a woman, what's her name? Um, Abraham's wife, Sarah. They didn't bear when she was young. God said, don't worry, you'll still bear. So I'm getting old. Say, so what does it matter? Anytime I'm ready, we'll get it done. And then he said in Psalm 92, righteous people, they bear fruit in old age. Let me tell Christian women, start getting ready. Some of you get pregnant at 58. And it's not new. It's, look, it has happened before. Not taking the, uh, look, look. 
Sweetheart, what's the, how old was that woman? That our local sister? Huh? She was 55. When she got pregnant naturally, not that is all her life she had prayed. God just looked and said, Listen, this girl, I want to tell a story. Don't spoil my story. So God said, Let me keep you busy. Okay, you don't have a child of your own. Then go and collect children. There are many children that are looking for mothers. So she began to adopt and take care of all. At that time, she had nine or 11. Yeah, children that called her mommy. They were grown. So I think some of them married. She was the mother they knew. She dedicated herself to all those children. Then one day she realized she was feeling funny. And she went to see the doctor. The doctor said, Madam, you are pregnant. How can I be pregnant? She was 55. I've shown some of you the picture of her and her daughter. She gave birth. She was something between 55 and 56 when she delivered the baby girl. Naturally, there was no... The only, the only job the doctor did was to take the delivery. Anything he did in the past, he's doing now. Let me explain something to you. <laughs> Some people say, ah, the water is bad. Elisha said, get me no salt. Cast upon the water. And the water became good and remained good. The land was not fruitful because of that water. When it turned it good, the land became fruitful. Anything he did then, he's doing now. If somebody's ready for this prophetic word, listen. You will start a business in a dry place. Everybody will think you are crazy. In a short while, you'll be a billionaire doing business from there. Everything they said was wrong. They will come and they will find that he has been corrected. Listen, one of the things we must do now is to start engaging the power that God has. You know, there's one thing Paul said. He said, Paul said, you guys don't understand. Oh, God, he said, I pray for you that you will understand his power that works towards those who believe. There's a power that works towards us which we have neglected. Fully neglected. Every time giving excuses for Satan. I'm not prospering because I did not go to school. I'm not prospering because I'm in Nigeria. I was looking to this boy. I said, you're a very foolish human being. What is his name? Bonaboy. He, he won a, what do you call it? I'm praying that, you know, this is the day of social media. This will get to him. So I'm addressing you so that God will be able to prosper you further because you're on your way down. I was reading BBC News this morning and I saw a headline saying, I deserved it. Ah, if you know me, that one cannot pass me by. If it, it can't pass me by. I deserved it. You deserve what? So I clicked on the internet. I couldn't let it go. And he sat down. He said, it's good he won the, 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 the Grammy because he deserved it. I said, your grandfather's Igbo is still worrying you. Because Fela is his idol. Fela is his motivation. I said, that guy's Igbo is disturbing your soul. Then he now says something. And I said, my God in heaven. He says, the problem is that in this country, when a place where the environment is not good, the government does not care about the youth. Listen to this. He said, if they cared, I would have won this thing like 2013, not 2021. I said, Bonner boy, you don't know anything. I know you are an unbeliever. You need to give your life to Christ. Because God will have to demonstrate his righteousness to frustrate those statements. Listen to me. If you are an American, you will never have smelt Grammy in two million years. What are you singing? What are you singing? I heard him sing now. Nonsense. What is he singing? The only reason you had a Grammy is that your song is from Nigeria. Was that not what destroyed uh, Majek? Carrying body, go, go New York. Ah, New, New Yorkers, they say, we will finish you here. They gave him Igbo, they gave him crack. Not Igbo, sorry, he has been smoking Igbo in Nigeria. I mean, when he got there, they gave him crack. His head broke. All them done Jazzy and Co. To make a name, they had to come back home. They were there in London, fooling themselves. You think you can sing? Let the American, those American boys, 
they, they were born singing. Those are some Nigerians say they want to rap. <laughs> listen, listen to me, eh? <laughs> if you want to rap, respect yourself. Just rap in your secondary school, university, and stop it there. Don't go to the global, because rap, you know, it's like you want to, you know the, the way worry man talks? You know, when worry man, they talk. He's not trying to crack a joke, he's talking, you're the one laughing. That's how come most of the comedians. But from that angle, because they are not cracking jokes, they are the one laughing. We have this friend that time in Lagos. Eh? A, a lady, all right, married to one of my colleagues. So she used to come around our neighbor. We all married around the same time. So the ladies used to gather to gist. When she's talking, another of our friends, eh, used to, all she used to do is laugh. And she used to look forward to her coming. And this girl always was gisting. She was not cracking jokes. I still remember one statement she made there. This is the other woman burst into laughter. Like you say, it doesn't matter. The girl said, it not make, it not make, it not make. <laughs> this one burst into laughter. That this girl's normal gist. Eh? For, I mean, now what girl? I he's just, she's just gisting. She's not trying to make you laugh. It's the other Lagos <laughs> woman that wasn't used to that kind of talk. For me, it wasn't too exciting because I went to University of Benin. And worry pigeon was our lingua fraca on campus. You understand? Worry pigeon was how we, you know, in University of Benin, you either spoke English or you spoke worry pigeon. But when I first heard worry pigeon, when I first came there, even me, I, I, I respect my brother. <laughs> I still remember the first day I heard it. I was in class. The guy said, I beg, I they find it. Let's assume the guy's name is um, um, John. I beg, I they find John. So why did they find her now? I give him my note. I gear my note. I never forgot that to Obodo Siki. That was the name of the guy who said that thing. He said, I gear my note. I look at the guy like, I gear my note. I never forgot that thing. The day one of our brothers here was just me. I was just listening to him talk. He was just complaining about something. But he was speaking pigeon. It was as if he was singing. I contacted the guy now. I said, I can't come on this side now. I just I would look, you know, I was, I was humbled. That time when God used to sing, all he used to do is just tell you G's from worry. Yeah. Now, what I'm trying to say, you see the way it's like that, natural to the worry man to make you laugh. Rapping is normal with an American boy. You know, they used to make noise about uh, some of these American rappers. One day, the first day I listened to Tupac, I understood why he was Tupac. These guys will give you lyrics for five minutes, no, non-stop. That's, the, how, that's how they talk. Right? They're not trying to rap for you. The guy, and, it, and you know, a black man and a white man, they speak differently. Their English is different. Their intonation is different. Everything is different. That's what they convert to their music. You now come back from Nigeria, you won't go to the day and say, I want to tell you something right now. I can't get away. Nonsense. Nonsense rapping. You call, you call that rapping. They will look at you and say, Are you all right? Bro, are you all right? <laughs> but when you bring, whether you like or you know, like, hey, they start hailing you. They'll say, they'll say that guy is talented. You know, he's original. Afrobeat. They'll give you all kinds of names. They'll not give you a word. Bonaboy, I'm talking to you. Wake up. The reason why you got it at all was God knows what he's doing. He gave it to you. But your light just shone out of our darkness. If we put light there long ago, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have smelt it. There are too many boys hanging out to collect it from you. Better thank God. The time Okojo won um, 
No, not Okunjewala, sorry. Navdak. Dorak, really. When she won the Transparency International Award for her job in killing fake drugs in Nigeria. I told everybody that time, I said, just because she's from Nigeria. If you're not from Nigeria, I'm not thank God for her life. She was a good person. She loved her job. She was passionate about it. I saw her break into tears on TV once being interviewed. She was passionate about it. She didn't know when she started crying on air. So she was passionate about her job. But the light shone in where? Darkness. That's why it was so bright. If you're in a place where everything was normal, the time Charles Toledo was called the banker of the year. Why? He strengthened Nigerian banks. I said because the banks were weak. All he did was say, capitalize. He structured the things that they were doing. And he became banker of the year. Now, why did I go into all of that? The people who get up and be whining and complaining. And say, I'm ten- when I heard Bonaboy say that thing, I never knew he was until he won the Grammy. I didn't know he existed. Now, that doesn't mean you're a bad musician. It just means I don't listen to secular music. You're not in my league. I don't mean I'm superior to you. I'm just saying you are running on this side. I'm on this side. Are you getting my point? I know Nathaniel Abbasi. He worships Jesus. You, your idol is Baba Fela. So you must understand that me and you are not likely to know each other. But when you win the Grammy, it's news. I mean, I saw it on BBC News. It was BBC that announced it. Two Nigerians won Grammys. That's when I even found that seal. You know seal? I found his full Nigerian name. I didn't know the guy is a Nigerian. You know, it's because the BBC News also... Okay, another newspaper now wrote all the Nigerians have won Grammy Awards and all of that. I, I was making discoveries. So, what I'm trying to say is that, so that's why I didn't know this guy up till he won the Grammy. I now said that I deserved it. I said, deserve waiting. Deserve waiting. You want God to remove the ability to sing from you? You want God to say, it's enough. Croak from now on. Not try God, Obona. Not try. Not try at all. If you are hearing this thing, better go and get down on your knees. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I want to say thank you. For giving this thing to me. It's a gift of God. That's a digression. I know I got into that. So back to the, the, where was, what I was trying to say. So you see, even though we're down, it's supposed to make us reach out for God. Now, the promises of God. You now, I said something earlier. In Christ Jesus, the curse of harm has been banished. Maybe I didn't say it clearly like that. Let me say it again. That curse that held the African man down has been banished in Christ. Yes, it's been banished. The freedom that we need individually and collectively, is found in Christ. It's only in Christ. It's only in Christ. Now, for those of us who are believers in Christ, now let me just, that's where I was going, all right? Especially if you are coming from this kind of background. Because you must understand, some people had a form of blessing. Shem had a blessing. It was narrowed down. Abraham was a descendant of Shem. That's part of the Shemic blessing that God brought down to select Abraham. And Paul called it the commonwealth of Israel. So, as a nation, they were blessed. It doesn't mean God will not judge them because when they sinned against him, he judged them. But at least they had a blessing. And he said you were Gentiles, alienated, Paul was saying, from the commonwealth of Israel. They had wealth inside there. They did. They did. Many nations on the earth didn't have it. And let me say something to you that will surprise you. Many of them are gone today. Because of the lack of blessing, they are gone. The Hivites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the, Amor- the Amorites, they don't have remnants on the earth today. So that after, right now, there's no memory of most of those people. All of them were Canaan descendants. And they were on the land that belonged to whom? Canaan. That's why it's called the land of Canaan. These days now, we think Canaan means blessed. No. There was a man called Canaan. He was cursed. Many of us have forgotten that. Because he was cursed, God removed him and his descendants and gave the land to the Jews. 
to Israelites, because strictly speaking, Jews are descendants of Judah and Benjamin. All right. So strictly speaking, all right. Just, let's use the proper word, Israelites. He gave to the descendants of Jacob, who was the descendant of Shem. That land was the land of the descendants of a one man and his close relatives called Canaan. Now we refer to Canaan as if it means blessed. You know, we saw Canaan as province. So we named one of our best universities in Nigeria. You know, the whole area is called Canaan land. The land of Canaan was promised to descendants of Shem. You know what God did? He wiped out all those people on that land. They don't remain. There's no country that will say we are descendants of this. Somebody who do not know, who does not know, will say to him, what about the Philistines? The Philistines came from far. As the Jews were coming, they were also coming. They came from, this is what they call Kafta or somewhere. They came from somewhere far away. They are not Amorites, Jehites. No, 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 no. As the Israelites came, so did they also migrate. God brought them as some people to keep Israel in check all the days of... The natural people there, gone. The Bible says he re-raised the memory of them. They didn't leave a book behind. We don't know what their culture was like. We only know that they worshipped idols. And they sinned constantly against the true God. What am I trying to say? Before somebody starts talking nonsense and tell you people go to church too much, you better go to church. Did you see what happened in Rwanda and Burundi? We had better go to church. That's a tip of the iceberg concerning the kind of things that can happen to us. Let me give you this prophetic was a matter of fact. You see all this banditry, this one. The only thing that's keeping those things in check is the prayer the saints are praying. And if the saints don't return to praying effective prayer, which is not, effective prayer is not that I'm checking banditry. Effective prayer is so that the truth of the gospel can move ahead. The reason why we need to check banditry and check kidnapping and headsmen attack is because if we don't, we cannot live in peace. And God desires that we will live in peace so that his will, which is that all men may know the truth, may be carried out. What is keeping our countries alive is the light of the gospel. Tell you the truth about that. Don't joke with it. Let nobody lie to you. Satan, Satan. You know they call Satan. Satan that tries to tell you you have prayed enough. You have not prayed enough. It's the only thing that's keeping you alive. As a nation, as a people. Again, let me sit on the main thing. All of these things have been eradicated in Christ Jesus. You must understand. The lost portion is his people. That's something you must get. The lost portion is his people. Israel, he said, is a portion of his inheritance. You must understand. Those were prophetic words. When he talked about that, he was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and those who will come into him. What am I trying to say? I began it by saying all the blessings are only found in Christ. So, the believer in Christ Jesus, you must understand this, is a manifestation of God's ingenuity. If God was to design a car, it would be the believer in Christ Jesus. If God was to design an aeroplane, that is the believer in Christ Jesus. The best that God could produce on the earth is the believer in Christ. So he said, we are his workmanship. The word workmanship, that means masterpiece. The prince explains that the word comes from the word poema. Poema means a masterpiece, like poetry. Something that an artist took time out to produce. The believer in Christ Jesus is God's best product ever. It was more difficult to create you, a believer in Christ, than to produce the universe. You don't understand. Let me tell you how difficult it is. I'm going to tell you something. It's difficult for me to repeat. Very difficult for me to repeat. But I will repeat it because I couldn't find scripture against it. David Poston explained it. He said, he asked his children, they had this, uh, what do you call it? Aquarium. There are goldfish inside. A number of them. So he asked them that, assuming your goldfish were dying, 
Maybe they are fighting each other. They have disease. He explained the scenario. Will you be willing to enter into the aquarium to go and save them? The children say yes. Now follow this. They all say yes. We will definitely be willing to go into the aquarium to save them. He said, will you be willing to become a goldfish? To be able to save the other goldfish? What did they all say? Of course, fewer people will say yes, but they all said yes. He said, what if I told you you will now remain a goldfish forever? Oh boy, story begins to change you. Saving my goldfish is not a problem. I can do that. If I have to jump into the lake to catch them, why not? He said, you have to wear a goldfish suit. I'll wear. No, you have to really become goldfish. Why not? To save my goldfish, I love them. But once you enter goldfish, oh, permanent. And children looked at that, it must be like that. Can't you just save the goldfish and come back? David Paulson said this. I will quote him because the one that said it. I don't have the boldness to say it. He said, that was a kind of sacrifice Jesus made for your salvation and mine. He became man permanently. He kept calling himself the son of man. The son of man. When he resurrected, he had to collect a man's body. Don't think he went back and became, you know, the spirit that he was. No. He said eternally, he has identified with you and with me. He's waiting. I can't say it by myself. I have to quote somebody else saying it. But what I want you to understand is that that sacrifice, do you know what it produced? You. The best that God could ever do in the whole universe. He has never produced anything better than the believer in Christ. Listen, the new man in Christ is God's best product ever, eternally. Listen, no, yes, they were an argument. Not really, of course, argument. Brethren, somebody was saying that God does not punish people. That suffering is never the will of God. Some of us say, wait, 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 wait. We, we began to, in fact, this morning I talked with Pastor Corey. I said, have you noticed that that brother did not quote one scripture? Six or seven of us quoted different scriptures for him. I quoted several. Pastor Corey quoted long portions. Our brother Gabriel added one. Odera added one. Jude added another one. Um, one brother, I forgot his name. He added another one. This one just kept on telling us that, uh, uh, God, it doesn't... I said, wait, oh. But the Bible says that Paul, Jesus said this, I think he must suffer. He said, he said no, nah. When he said it, he meant that he will get into suffering. There's not the one that plays. I said, this guy, are you... Is everything okay? You have a fever or something? I said, okay, let's live. What about Jesus Christ? Did he not come down to die? He said, God did not force him to die, but he made him die. I heard, all, I heard a lot of funny things that yesterday. This is where I'm going. So, was saying that, so we asked him, I said, what are you trying to say? He said, we shouldn't make God look wicked. I said, no, God is not wicked, he's wise. You are the one calling his wisdom wickedness. We are calling it the wisdom of God. You must understand that the wisdom of God looks foolish to man. In the same manner, the deeds of God can look wicked to man, but God knows what he's doing. And listen to me, we should read this. This is important. Have you read anything today? No, if he, last time it's still in your mind. No, we have not read today. Okay, Philemon, okay, 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 yeah, you're very correct. Hey, oh, bros, wake up. <laughs> me and you, we should wake up. Because I, I was like, okay, you deceived me. <laughs> the Lord is good. Romans chapter 3, quickly, Romans chapter 3. Oh, what I'm saying today eh, is very important, too. Very, very important. I want you after today, eh, <laughs> you will look at yourself with respect. I tweeted about this some time ago. There is lack of regard for your person. That's why you walk in sin. It's lack of appreciation for what God has done for you. That's why you walk in sin. If you remember the illustration I gave, if you know what it costs, assuming now as an example, a man is about to die. He was a smoker all his life. He smoked for like 20, 30 years. 
Then cigarette got him. He has lung cancer in both lungs. And then they said he's going to die. They don't have any treatment. But then suddenly a new treatment came out. And the new treatment is very effective, but very, very expensive. So he came to me and said, sir, what must I do for you to help me to get this treatment? And I look at him and say, I'm going to die. I will leave my wife and my children behind without help. And I go and check the cost of the treatment. It's more money than I've ever seen or called my own. So I turn around, I sell my car. While my wife travels, I take her car and sell it. When my children, they've gone, I take our house, we sew it as into his um, healing. By the time my wife comes back, we have moved to one small apartment, but we're able to raise the money we gave to him. And he gave it to the people, and he was killed. And then I'm going on the road next week, I see him with a cigarette in his hand. You know, I will kill him myself. No, 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 I'm not going to wait for, I won't wait for another 20 years for a cigarette to get you. I will shoot you myself. Do you know why? You don't appreciate anything. If you know the sacrifice I made so that you are still alive today, you won't even use anything that produces flame again. It's out of respect for Banky and his family. I will never go near any flame. If I see smoke coming from burning bush, I will go in the other direction. Because this man and his family, they suffered so that I might live. Next time you want to disobey God, think about it. Next time a woman is tempting you that is not your wife, think about it. Next time they come to your office, they change figures so they can make 20. You know, some people want to steal. They will be embarrassing themselves and God. You want to thief at your age. They... <laughs> One day I was told to come and lie. They said I should come to your university. Nobody knows who I'm pointing at. Your girl has one university. They said I should come and say I'm on sabbatical with them. That when NUC comes, I will stand as they are. They said I'll even be made if they gave me one particular office. That please, I should just come. I said, okay, sabbatical with you is not a problem. They now said, just come, Sha. Just write. We, 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 that's where we'll write it. Then when you come, we'll give you 200,000 naira. I said, okay, sir. No problem, sir. I told Israel that time. I said, even if I wanted to do before, you have so insulted me. You know, even free bribe person better bribe. If you want me to, like, say you bring 10 million, then we know we are talking English. At least that one, I will buy a new car, <laughs> buy one for my wife. You understand? Even that should keep with the part of so all of us can die together. I'll give you small. <laughs> you know, everybody wait up from inside. Oh, God will catch all of us, round all of us up together. They now offer me. You can't even say two million there. Eh? Because like I said that time, Jews, if you remember, hey, I don't mention your name now, sorry. <laughs> because if you remember, I said, okay, if you said two million there, I'll say, okay, bring it. Then I'll quickly go and do the work. We don't have to lie. If you are willing to part with two million, why must we lie? Some Christian will just disgrace God. You just lie because of 10,000. On God's behalf, I'll go punish you again. Even if that 10 million, you still punish you anyway, but at least we'll know you were tempted. Nonsense. No, and you get my point. And if you fail for a sin of two hundred billion dollars, we know you value the blood of Jesus at two hundred billion. It's better than one man who valued at ten thousand naira. You fall for temptation of ten thousand. But whatever you fall for, you have insulted him. You have insulted him. You don't appreciate the value of what he did. You know, you know the truth. People think that I gave my life to Christ. I've done him a favor. Nonsense. You are going to die and go to hell. And he took a replacement. You don't get my point. He suffered for you. You know, because forgive. You know, maybe, God, I'm not saying what he did is bad, but I think maybe we should change this forgiveness thing to passing through literal fire. When you come out at the other end, they will heal you. You will never do it again. But because all we need to do is repent. Apostle, you are going to organize baptismal service. I'm serious. I'm not joking. 
Some people, all of, everybody has to go to real baptism. So people put them under the water. One minute. <laughs> okay, Lord, I'm just looking about the one minute. But let people be there for a few seconds. Let them start thinking you forgot them there. When they will say, ah, ah, then you bring it back up. We say, I believe you for day. That's what Jesus came from. Just apart. I pray that God will give us a revelation of what God did, what he did for us in Christ Jesus. You will know it's not a joke. He lit, you were literally going to burn eternally in the lake of fire. He didn't just forgive you. He replaced you. But I mean, Jesus actually literally suffered for you. That's what I'm going to say. And for me too. Let's understand it. When we appreciate what God did. Ah, if you know the cost. I said, when David person gave that revelation, I found it hard to swallow. He said, it's like you turning to a goat. So you have to save your head. And for the rest of life, you are a goat. He told his children, would you like to become fish to save your fish? They were willing to save the fish. Once they all needed to do was to swim in and swim out. If they chain to fish, they will chain to fish. But say, you're not going to come out again. Even if you're to come out, you're going to remain fish, able to build on land. But you remain fish so as to be forever a high priest that feels the passion of their infirmities. Because if he stopped being like you, he can't pray for you anymore. You say, but he has a resurrection body and he has prepared one for you too. Let me tell you what that resurrection body is like. I don't know what it's like much, all right? I don't know much. I know a little bit about it. No restrictions. For example, you are in your room, you are feeling hot. Resurrection body doesn't understand that because it can easily leave that place to where there's air. I hope you're getting my point. Resurrection body knows no limitations. You can't put it in prison. It walks through the walls. That's just a glimpse of what the resurrection body is like, which he has prepared for me and for you. Yes, every one person has one. I hope you're getting my point. Now, there's a man that knew the meaning of that. His name was Paul. Paul, when God gave him on... You know what? Let me tell you something about Paul. The way you've settled down here and you've given me your attention for the last one hour, one and a half hours, all right? That's how Jesus will come and sit down and Paul will give him attention and will instruct Paul. So Paul had interaction with that resurrection body. Jesus told him what it was like. You are getting my point. So Paul said, we are groaning. I don't know whether you are getting my point. He understood what is lying ahead. So he understood the difficulties. But you know, you don't know because you've never experienced it. I don't know. I've never experienced it. So I feel comfortable as long as I'm healthy. But those who have felt it, those who have interacted with it, he said, we are groaning. Not so will be unclothed, but so will be clothed with another body. I hope you're getting my point. Because Paul had a glimpse of what it meant to live in a new body. Jesus has prepared one for each one of us. Get my point. But the sacrifice to do it, that's the point, was great. Just like my brother was arguing with us yesterday, the sacrifice was foolish to the human eye. Why would Jesus do that? That's what we're reading in Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Now, this is it's going to be a long read. And so as to make it easy, let me try and read a simple translation. If I read my own translation, it gets a bit uh, tricky. Okay, yes, let's use NIV. All right, let me start from uh, verse 23. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption which came by Christ Jesus. Now listen to this. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. That is, 
This is in brackets. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time. So as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Please, I will explain that in a moment. Quickly, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. From verse 11. It says, since then we know what is the fear of the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are in is plain to God. And I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us. So that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen, rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love, now notice that, compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all. And therefore, all died. That is, all were supposed to die, but one died for them. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for them and were raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, that he was a Jew and all of that, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that's all we reckon now. The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Let me stop reading here. Now, what am I trying to explain here? When you, that, what we read from that Romans chapter 3, I was t- saying something. That God did a lot. He did a lot. I wanted to borrow a particular phrase from there. It said, there's one, I think there's something I wanted to read. Okay, please. Yes, I knew where I was going. I didn't finish reading it. Actually, this is what I wanted to read first. Not Romans chapter 3. Are you getting my point? Let's just continue reading this one. Actually, this is what I wanted to read. Even though that phrase is also there in Romans chapter 3. Now, let's just continue. Verse, I'm jumping on one verse because of time. I'm looking at my time. In verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin. Yeah, this is actually where, Apostle, this is what I wanted to read. I just took us <laughs> to Romans chapter 3. This was actually what I wanted to read. He said, he made him who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He made him who knew no sin to be seen on our behalf. As, as a result, we are the righteousness of God in him. Now, two th- expressions I need to explain, which is why I quoted these scriptures. Number one, he said there's what is called the demonstration of his righteousness. What is that demonstration of his righteousness? Now, let me explain it. Have you ever read this scripture before? We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So it means we are righteous. We are righteous. No, that's not what it means. It means God is righteous. I'm not saying we are not righteous. So. I'm saying our righteousness is by faith. The Bible says it clearly. Herein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. It said those who have received the free gift of righteousness, abundance of grace, he says, and the free gift of righteousness will reign in this life. And he was talking about you and me in Romans chapter 5. So we are righteous. Somebody say amen. amen. We are not righteous by our works, are we? How are we righteous? By faith. But are we righteous? Are we righteous? So, but this is not what he's talking about. 
This scripture does not prove we are righteous. It's another thing he's saying. Here he said God is righteous. Why did he say God is righteous? Why did he need to prove that God is righteous? This is how it is. I just told you what Jesus did. Do you get my point? To bring us to this level. I just told you the extent of the sacrifice. What Romans chapter 3 said, alright, it was another angle. What I want from that Romans chapter 3 now is that expression, the demonstration of his righteousness. In Romans chapter 3, the emphasis was that he did not punish David for killing Uriah. He did not punish Abraham for lying against his wife, that she's my sister, until another king took her. Jacob was a supplanter. Even though he disciplined him, the sins of Jacob were never punished. There's a particular guy in the Bible, his name is Joseph. No sin was recorded against him. Why? Was he a perfect man? That is an indictment against the inspiration of God. Bear it in mind. This man sinned. God did not punish Isaac. He disciplined them. There's a difference between discipline and punishing. There's what is called a just recompense of reward for disobedience. They did not get it. They got the discipline of the Lord, but they did not get the just recompense for sin. Only an unjust judge does that. So to the universe, God was unjust as far as Abraham was concerned. He was unjust as far as David was concerned. He was unjust as far as most of these men were concerned. And what do you mean? Did he not punish Saul? Why didn't he punish David? If you had to count iniquity, David did worse. Why did he not punish David? The whole universe was waiting. Then when Jesus came, when Jesus died, now, those of us on this earth, we can't understand. Those who see from the realm of the spirit, you know what they said? Oh, no wonder. He has prepared the payment for their sins. And in case you do not know, the Lord that handled David, Abraham, Joseph, all these people I mentioned, his name is Jesus Christ. Not God the Father. It's Jesus Christ. So what he did was to take their sins upon himself. I hope you are getting my point. So by the time he took their sins upon himself, we're going to read that Romans chapter 3 later, he showed the righteousness of God. So because God was watching him, son, what are you doing? No judgment against these people. You remember he said the father judges no man. He has committed all judgment to the son. So why no judgment against these people? So he and the father sat down and said, you are going to take their punishment. And he said, I know. So when Jesus came and took the punishment, the angelic beings, you must understand, the Bible will tell you about the 24 elders. Those elders are wise people and they are watching what God is doing. The coming of Jesus and the sacrifice on the cross was what the Bible calls the demonstration that he knew what he was doing all the while. That is what is called what? The demonstration of his rightness. That he was not wrong. We look at the concept of righteousness and say, righteousness as a feeling. No, what he was saying is that he was right. He was wise. He knew what he was doing. So when he let David go, David did not go actually. He took the sins of David upon himself. And he died for David. When Abraham was forgiven, he took the sins of Abraham upon himself. And he died for Abraham. When he recorded nothing evil against Joseph, it was because he put it in himself. And wiped out every handwriting of ordinances against Joseph. In the spiritual Sin can never go unpunished. He's who we suffer for it as the issue. So he took it upon himself. And when he did, the 24 elders bowed down and they worshipped. And say, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and praise and worship. They realized it was too wise for them. <laughs> I hope you are getting my point. Wow, this is good. Now, Second Corinthians chapter 5 was not telling us. Okay, you did all of this. You died. You came to the earth. What did he produce? You know what he did? 
he dipped his hand in the bowl of blood and brought out a clean man called the new man in Christ Jesus. When they saw it, they bowed down again. Holy, 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 holy. They began to shout holy. Why? We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When they saw you, they saw me. They said, Lord, you knew what you were doing. We are the proof of God's eternal wisdom. I pray you understand that. The new man in Christ is the proof of God's eternal wisdom. The new man in Christ is proof that God is eternally wise. Why would Jesus come down and die? Okay, you took the sin of Abraham. Okay, we understand. You have been shown to be just. So what is the wisdom of all this you are doing? He said, let me show you. He looked for one guy that would have been a slave. Who one day he would learn to write. And the masters would cut off his hand. And at the age of 30-something, he would look like a 65-year-old man. He would die a wounded, broken spirit that would pollute the universe because of bitterness. He said, watch what I'm going to do. He took the ancestors and brought missionaries to speak the gospel to them. Then when they took this young man, he was born. And he sent him to school. And they learned about Christ Jesus. And he sent him to university. And they learned about the gospel of Jesus in depth. And he sent him to Enugu. He began to preach. His name is Pastor Banke. Kingdom World Ministries Enugu. said, this will have been a slave in America. But Jesus died. Look at what he is today. All of you are giving him attention from all over the globe. That is called the righteousness of God. He said, dying the curse of harm didn't work in his life. I hope you are getting my point here. Instead of being a slave that somebody forbade from reading, who they cut off his hand when he secretly learned to read, I turned him to an instructor in righteousness. Now he's standing, and people are giving him attention. Oh, let me pick some of the people. And he picked one. He said, this girl will have been a harlot slave, possessed by a spirit, who the masters will throw into a pit at the age of 28. She'll have been his prostitute from the age of 16. Then when she's no longer useful to them. Why? Because there's a curse upon her ancestors. He said, but now, what shall she become? A student of the word, preparing to be the next prophetess that this earth will hear about. Able to stand up. Flying, I'm sorry to say this, some people won't like it. Flying around in private jets to deliver the word of God all over the world. And they said, look at it. Do you think my sacrifice was worth it? The 25 elders, you know what they do? They bow down again. They start worshipping. Let me give you one word you may not have believed. One of the reasons why they keep bowing down is Jesus brings each one of you and me. Each time he showcases us before them, they bow down again and say, Worthy are you, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power and strength and wealth. Because, that is, for you were slain. Remember that's what they said? And you have redeemed. Ah, let me read that one properly. Because, you see, that's what they see that excites them. They see a drug addict that will have been on the street. And Jesus will dip him in the blood, bring him out. He becomes a man of God. I remember that man I was watching on TV. As a teenager, he was a murderer. He was killing people. They put him in solitary confinement in his prison because he was too dangerous. Then one smallish black woman looked at him and said, I will put you on my hit list. He said that resonated with me because I know what hit means. But he did not know that what she meant was that I will put you on my prayer hit list. And she began to pray for him. She began to pray for him. Then Jesus said, well, in answer to her prayer, he personally came into his cell and showed him a video of the crucifixion and his death on the cross. And as he's seen it, he'll be seeing his sins and his lifestyle as a young guy. And finally, 
He never knew about Jesus Christ for information. He saw this man that they were beating. Why are they beating him? They saw him then nail him to the cross. And at the point in time, he saw the head drop. He said he had seen people die. He knew when the head dropped in death. But as he was dropping in death, he looked at him and said, I did this for you. Without knowing who Jesus was, he gave his life to Christ. And the person said to him, get a Bible. He began to read what he saw in that movie on the wall. He saw it in the Bible, really. When he was telling the story, he was a responsible father of his two or four children. And that little black woman came for his wedding. The day he came for parole hearing, he said, do you think you should be released? He said, no. He said, having analyzed my, my, my crime, and more that the court did not try him for, he knew. He said, I realized that my just judgment was too fair, was lenient. I think I should die in prison. Boom! They released him. He came out of jail. He was still a young man, maybe in his late 20s. He had been there since he was a teenager. Or he got there in his early 20s. Maybe now he's in his 30s. Then his life started again. When you see him talking about Jesus Christ, what happens is that Jesus will take one of those and show the elders. Then they will bow down again and start worshipping. That's why the 24 elders can't stop. They can't stop. The host of heaven, they can't stop. And I'm saying to you this evening, the greatest thing he ever produced is the new creation in Christ Jesus. As I say, if any man is in Christ, and that's the emphasis, if you are in Christ, ah, listen to me. Don't take this in lightly. Don't joke with it. You should ask yourself, God, what do you want to produce with this new man on the earth? Because the curse of harm has ravaged everything. And God said, if I'm going to show my righteousness, it's going to be through one of the people that came out of the heritage of Ham's curse, dipped in the blood, I brought them out. Now they have come with a blessing greater than that of Shem. Therefore, they can't run into the tent of Shem anymore to go and look for prosperity. They can't. It will be an insult on the blessing. They are supposed to bow down and say, Lord, what are you producing on the earth through me? And what he will produce to, through you, listen to me, is going to be another reason for the 24 elders to cast down their crowns and worship. Let's read that because I, lo- I love that expression. Who? I don't know about you, but like Ken Hagin will say, I'm preaching myself happy. Whether you are being blessed or not is your problem. Right now, I'm excited. I don't know about you. <laughs> Apostle, I'm hearing the gospel today that I have never preached before. And I'm not lying, I've never heard anybody preach. Oh, if you think I rehearsed this, my wife will tell you she has never heard this man say this. Do you know why? This guy has never said it. If you have never heard of prophetic teaching, you just participated in one tonight. I've given you the mind of the spirit. Listen to whom much is given. This your life will never be average. Amen. It will never be average. Amen. Listen, you will bear fruit where people thought there was no fruit. Amen. You will bear fruit where they said there was no water. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Telling you. Listen, you will put your foot in barren land. When you take that foot off, that place will become a gusher of clean water. Amen. It's a new creation we are talking about. The new creation is, it was not God restoring man to the position of Adam. This one is superior to Adam. He <laughs> said the second man became a life-giving spirit. The first man became a what? Living soul. That's why Jesus said, if you drink this water, it will become in you what? A well, a spring of living water. He said it became a life-giving spirit. The new creation is a life-giving spirit, not a living soul. You know what it means to be living? A living soul. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? With what shall we clothe ourselves? That's a living soul. The life-giving spirit. 
He looks at the things on the earth. He's oh, just giving out the blessings of God. When God wants to pour out blessing, he pours it out through the life-giving spirit. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Amen. When we say this is our season of the demonstration of the spirit and the power of God, it's not a joke. Listen to me. You will lay your hands on the sick, they will recover. Amen. Now, there's an anointing for that, but we are not talking about special anointing. When Jesus raised Lazarus, it was not a special anointing. It was a life-giving spirit downloading from God the Father. He just said to God, return Lazarus to me. And once the spirit of Lazarus came back, it reformed his body. A man that was rotten. I don't know whether you're getting my point. What happened to Lazarus can never be replicated by any human being. Only life-giving spirits do that. And Jesus did that deliberately so as to settle every question about his divinity permanently. And he said it to them. I'm not doing this for any other reason so that you can believe. Took a man who had decomposed reconstructed him, brought his spirit back, and said, Lazarus, come forth. That's what they call a life-giving spirit. Oh, the Lord is good. Let me look for this particular scripture. He said, for you were slain. That's the one I want. And you have redeemed. Okay, chapter 5. And I saw between, from verse um, 6. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders, a lamb standing, as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamp, each one holding a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Now that's what I want to read. He said, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seal, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Notice that. You purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Whether they are descendants of Shem or Japheth or Ham. Every one of them. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Let's look at how they worship him. Each time a revelation of what Jesus did comes to them. Chapter 4. Yes, verse 9. And when the living creatures give glory and honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne, and will worship him who lives forever and ever. And we cast down their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, O Lord, and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things because of your will. They are, or they existed, and were created. What am I saying to you today? That every time they see the new creation in Christ, Jesus, if anyone is in Christ, is what? A new creation. Every time they see a new creation, this is how they bow down and worship. And it was not just out of, hey, worship, worship, whatever will punish you. It's out of admiration, out of appreciation. The sacrifice of Jesus, that's the point I'm making to you. The plan of God of all the ages, the best that God could ever produce is called the new creation in Christ Jesus. The major problem is that we don't appreciate the new creation. What builds up faith in us is to appreciate that new creation. What exactly it is. Let me explain it to you. Every curse has been broken. 
This is the life-giving spirit we are talking about. The giver of life, not the one seeking where life is good. <laughs> I hope you are getting my point. That's a powerhouse of the Almighty on the earth. That's why Jesus said you are the salt of the earth. Though. If this earth will survive, it's because of you. It's, he said you are the light of the world. You are the one. You see, when time he brings life, in him was life. And that life was what? The light of men. When I say you are the light, it means that life is shining through you into the earth. That new creation has been underestimated. Can you see, Apostle, does it now make sense? Every witch fighting my destiny, die by fire. You will look which say, you feel fight my destiny. What if you look at the witch and say, Kai, confused soul. You that the Lord will have used. There's a reason why he gave you life. Say, Father, I have mercy upon this. We'll drag them to the cross by force. You can die by fire. You're afraid. You don't understand. God could not have created anything better than the new creation in Christ. And if you are in Christ Jesus, just imagine what it is. I don't have time. All right, now maybe we'll continue. One of the things I wanted to read was how God described Jacob. And Jacob was a type of what God was going to produce. He said he watched over him like the apple of his eye. You know what it means? That God was the eyelash over Jacob, which was the pupil. And you know, before he touches, bam, the eyelash is down. Or the eyelid, I wanted to say, the eyelid. Bam, is down. That you are so quick to respond to him. He didn't allow anybody to do their wrong. He said, touch not my anointed. Do my prophets no harm. You must understand, this is God's masterpiece. The best thing he ever produced which he placed on the earth. I'll tell you something. One major, oh God, one major reason why Christians suffer a lot of persecution and things bad just happen to them. Sometimes God gets tired. He said, they know not. Neither do they understand. So they walk on in what? Darkness. Ignorance, they keep on walking in darkness. He said, if salt loses its savour, what does it happen? It's no longer good for anything, but to be trampled underfoot by what? Men. Men start treating the church anyhow, when they don't know who they are. When they are the ones causing division in the country. When they are looking to Buhari and say, you are the problem we have. Ha, God say, meanwhile, you are the solution he has. <laughs> oh, I feel like reading this, and I close with it. That one we began with. Philemon. I like that thing. No, I just feel like reading it. That one we began with Philemon. He said, I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become more effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. If you believe something good is in you, give me an amen. amen. The Red Prince said, if indeed you believe that, what's the reasonable thing to do? You start giving thanks. Can we just, let's rise to our feet, those of us who can, just begin to give the Lord thanks. Ooh, when you look at the mirror next, look at yourself differently. Oh, begin to give the Lord thanks. This time around, for what he has done for you in Christ, for the new creation that you are in Christ Jesus. If anyone is in Christ, is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Give thanks, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. Give thanks with a grateful heart. With a grateful heart. For the things that he has taught today, give thanks. Give thanks, give thanks. Give thanks. Oh, that's what I want us to do. Give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks. Oh, give thanks. I wanted to give thanks because we appreciate what he has done. Give thanks. Just give thanks. Say, I don't have to run to the tent of shame. No. Not anymore. I have become like Jesus, a life-giving spirit. Injecting the life of God wherever I go. Give the Lord thanks. Just give thanks. Acknowledge it. All things have passed away. 
All things have passed away. Say it, I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Bringing me forth is a new creation. I am new. My sins are forgiven. Oh, I have been washed in the precious blood of Jesus. Oh, say it. I have been, it's so important. Give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks. I want to give thanks. Say that I'm a carrier of life. Because I've been washed. I've been made clean. I've been made righteous. Oh, give thanks. Oh, because I'm in, I'm in that new creature. Sin can no longer have any dominion over me. The flesh has no dominion over me. The spirit is alive. The spirit is alive. The spirit is alive in me. <laughs> Seven sickness cannot stay in my body. Because the spirit is alive in me. And that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is giving life to my mortal body. Said, henceforth I walk in that spirit. I walk in that truth. I walk in that knowledge. Give thanks.